0: Use our last forty minutes or so, um, and we have plenty of time to do this. I uh, I would like to take the first part of this last session to walk us through a few exercises that I have been walking in now for the last seven or eight years that have been one of the most vital ways of understanding more of the lyric of the gospel seeing it become more music in my heart, enabling me to move more into the dance of the gospel. Dance meaning my my whole being, really seeing myself. Uh, In Luke 15, is the father that pursues his prodigal sons in both directions, the the prodigal that's been wandering into unrighteousness, the prodigal that's been wandering into self-righteousness. Both are pursued, both are wooed by the father to the same banquet, the same dance but also the dimension of, of dance of the gospel of missional living and loving, becoming more present in my marriage, becoming a dad that would risk connecting with my adult children, be- becoming a granddad who has, who has seen more the glory of God in the face of my grandsons, all three of them in the last seven years and I've seen in a lot of places. Um, we're going we're to talk about um, praying the gospel into our hearts. In fact, if you have one of our conference brochures, if you would take that out now, and maybe you've looked into this. I just referenced this last night, but we've included several um, uh, acknowledgments of a passage of scripture, and then a prayer. And let me give you a little backstory before we move into literally enjoying a little season of quiet this morning and some directed prayer. Let me let me tell you how the Lord, especially in the last seven years, has been taking me more fully into my own healing, uh, into uh, the willingness to marinate, to, uh, to sit in the gospel, not to be in a hurry, not to view spiritual disciplines as basically having my quiet time and getting on with the day. Sometimes my quiet times were too quiet because I was the only one speaking, and, and really to be still and to slow down, see... Wanderers don't do still very well. Uh, those that are drifting or those that are running, we, we, we have some soundtrack that's coursing through our head. Self-speak or some message. We need to learn to be still. And Jack Miller taught me the discipline of preaching the gospel to my heart. That sounds kind of odd. Perhaps you don't get a little podium and put it in front of the mirror, and then practice your sermon on yourself. But Jack meant this. We need to learn how to proclaim the good news of the gospel to our hearts, to ourselves. For me, that discipline has been better cultivated through prayer. Now, let me say this, that uh, though I've written two books on prayer, please never, ever, ever attach the phrase prayer warrior to me. I am a prayer doofus that needs a bigger Jesus. And when I say a prayer doofus, I'm not beating myself up. That's not the language of self-contempt. But I started writing prayers seven years ago. Here's just a part of my story to let you know that you can just start where you are. But about seven years or so, I was going through the final transition of being a senior pastor. and, And life yet again was pretty messy. And it was in that season of where I really knew that I was very busy feeding the lambs of Christ, already involved in a lot of my own growth, but had come to that cycle again of finding more weariness than, than real fellowship with the Father. So I started getting up earlier, having, again, been discipled by Jack Miller, and, and time of day is of no consequence, but I'm an early riser. So I got up with, with simply this commitment. I'm going to open the Scripture. I'm going to land on a portion of Scripture that connects with some part of what I am feeling on the inside. And I'm going to open my laptop, and because I am ADD, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to meditate on that scripture. And I'm simply going to pray it back to the Lord. I'm going to write it out because that will keep me focused. I won't be distracted. Well, I started doing that for about a year and realized that some of these prayers I was writing in that context of just beginning to seek the Lord and the Lord was meeting me, I started thinking about a a friend or two that, you know, maybe I've got a friend over here that's struggling. I'm just going to forward this prayer to them. And sure enough, next thing you know, uh, a friend shares a prayer with a friend and people are saying, are you, if you're doing this every day, can you send these to me? And end up uh, writing a daily prayer blog. And I've been doing this now for seven years. Uh, still get up every day and write a prayer. They're posted at the Gospel Coalition website and two prayer books that were out there. One, Everyday Prayers, was a group of prayers I wrote, and they're set up in a calendar and prayer a day. And the one that came out this summer is called Every Season Prayers, which is a group of prayers that just uh, help us think about how to find a voice to connect with the Lord in all kinds of season of life. And out of the newest book, Every Season Prayers, what we did for the conference was lift out a group of these prayers that, what? here's what I would like us to do. We're going to do this for about, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so, uh, just as a way of exercise, of so beginning to get you oriented towards one of the ways you could lean into this year, saying, you know what, my heart has been stirred this weekend, and, and I would love to know where do I go from here? How, how, can, how can this gospel become real to me like it was to Asaph? How, how can I do sanctuary? We're going to practice this, and then we will use the last... Oh, about 20 minutes for Q&A. So be thinking about any things I said, either too fast or you're not sure I actually said it or left you hanging. You want to ask some questions. There will be no out-of-bounds questions. Keith will be our tall moderator for that final section. And, uh, and I will be willing to go anywhere you want in the remaining time we have. But let me take a moment to still my heart and... Uh, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray first for a moment, and then I'm going to open, I'm going to read a few of the scriptures that you see. If you would look through your prayer guide, I'm going to to read the scripture associated with a few of these, and I'm going to to pray with my voice the prayer I've written down. Then we're going to pause, and I simply want you to go from there for a few minutes in your own quiet. I I want to, if you're familiar with the concept of priming the pump, well, it just means, let's get this puppy going, right? We're going to prime the prayer pump with God's grace, and I just want you very quietly, as I pray, going to pause and you say, Lord, yeah, that's, that is so me, Lord. And, and just, just quietly to yourself, we're not going to be praying out loud, although that would be very appropriate. But let me, uh, let me still my heart. In fact, would you just bow with me right now? Let me thank the Lord for how He's been meeting with us already. Father, uh, our, our time has been brief. But, Lord, it really seems to be pretty, pretty doggone sweet. Thank you for friends that have come, to, have come up, and Lord, last night this morning. Just acknowledge, Lord, that this is a gift. It's a gift to all of us, Lord, that we have the freedom to be known of you, to know you. Indeed, this is eternal life, O oh, Father, to know you and the one you have sent, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us now as we... Simply sit in some of your scriptures as we read some of your words and then begin to learn to pray them back to you, Lord. Lord, would you, would you quicken our hearts with the freedom that is ours? Lord, a lot of times we don't know how to pray. We don't know what the words are and we fumble and we think because we're not able to say what we're feeling, then it's a waste of time. Father, we will, we will never be wrong. We will never be misguided than simply to pray your word back to you. So, Lord, out of the riches of grace, out of the warehouse of your inexhaustible loving kindness, Lord, just give us in these next 10 minutes or so just a taste of what a gospel-praying culture can look like in these three churches in this upcoming year. What, what it can mean for us individually, Lord, even to take the words of a new friend, perhaps, and, and learn our own words. Lord, you, you know there, there's, there's no power in my words, Lord. But, Lord, as you would be pleased to give all of us uh, the ability to find our voice, to find our heart in the Scripture, Lord, it is to your praise and to our transformation. So Lord, just thinking about your word, Lord, just Ephesians 1-7, Lord, thank you for this incredible verse. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving all of my sins, all of them. Sins I've committed in my thinking, with my words, AND BY MY CHOICES, SINS IN THE PAST, SINS OF TODAY, AND THE SINS I'VE YET TO COMMIT, SUCH FORGIVENESS IS ALMOST TOO GOOD TO BE TRUE, AND IT WOULD BE IF YOU HADN'T SENT JESUS TO BE OUR PERFECT SAVIOR. THE RICHES OF YOUR GRACE HAVE PROVEN TO BE MORE, MORE THAN SUFFICIENT FOR THE BANKRUPTCY OF MY SIN. I PRAISE AND BLESS YOU. NOW, LET'S JUST STAY AS WE'RE, as we're BOWED, just, just, JUST RUN WITH THAT. Just. Thank the Lord for the forgiveness of your sins. Just don't have to be fancy. Just, just, let's just sit in this. We have redemption in Jesus. Thank the Father in your own way. You know and a, and a part of your words would be so sweet if these words were true of your heart. "Lord, I believe, help my unbelief." Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Holy and gracious God, though my grasp of Your grace often fails me, Your grasp of me is as unfailing as your love is. Thank you for taking my sins immeasurably far away from me. Oh, how I love the geography of your grace, as far as the east is from the west. Through the gospel, I'm no longer afraid of you as my judge, but take me deeper and deeper into an affectionate reverence for you. Your love is so compelling and transforming. tell your father more about that. Tell him why you love him. Ask him to show you more of this love. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Lord Jesus, if your power works best in my weakness, then I gladly humble myself before you today with palms up in praise and surrender. You are my righteousness and sufficiency, my help and my hope, my life and my freedom. Work in me and through me to your glory today. Free me from any need to be noticed and appreciated. I love being loved by you and living as a conduit of your life-giving grace. Just, Just again, tell your father more about that. Tell Jesus how thankful you are that he doesn't despise your weakness when you do. Lord, I, I, I pray right now on all our behalf on that one, Lord. I, I, there's such a struggle in our hearts. We're raised in a world and a family and jobs and sports and education, even in church. It just always said to us, do more, be better, get over it. And yet, Lord, we just read again in your word that it is in our weaknesses that your strength is made perfect that that truly it is not to your glory when we despise our brokenness it is to your praise when we are able to say Lord this hurts, I can't control this, it's too much Lord we do believe because we see your scripture and we do believe your scripture is true but Lord the disconnect between really believing it and embracing it sometimes it's so hard Lord Give us faith to believe it is precisely where we are weak, where we hurt, where we're broken, that you will meet us there. It's like a garden in which you plant fresh green life. Lord, make our hearts, make our churches gardens that grow in the soil of brokenness with the seed of the gospel. Romans 8, 28. a scripture we know, but let's pray this one. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Father, you are God and I am not. Hallelujah. You've numbered my hairs and my days. You appoint my joys and my pain. You give and take away, blessed be your name. Because the main thing I'm aware of is that You've given, the main thing I'm aware of you've given is Jesus. And the main thing I'm glad you've taken away is my sin. Your sovereignty is my sanity and your reign is my joy. Of course, you're working in all things for my good and your glory. Even when I cringe, doubt, and struggle with your sense of timing. The gospel convinces me of this. One day it will all make sense. But for now you bottle my tears and one day you will wipe them all away. I am blessed beyond all sensibility. Hallelujah. Now, again, in this posture of prayer, I want want you to have the courage right now to tell your good and gracious Father some of the things in your story and heart, maybe even in your current situation, that it is hard to trust that He is working in. It's, it's hard to sense any, any awareness of goodness in this thing or these stories. Just, just pray His word back to Him, knowing you'll never shock Him. Just, just What does it stir within your heart? Just let Him know right now. Just pray back to him reality. Pray the truth of the gospel to your heart. Philippians 1.6. Again, a scripture we're familiar with, but let's, let's hear it and let's pray it. Being confident, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, Father, my salvation is a work I didn't begin and you alone can finish. I could never perform my way out of my sin or earn my way into your love. From beginning to end, my salvation is all of grace, the whole redemptive enchilada I contributed nothing but my sin, and you gave everything in your Son. Oh, the peace, joy, and freedom that comes with really believing the gospel is as complete and good as you declare it to be. And oh, the wonder of realizing that one day I will be as lovely and as loving as Jesus, for you will complete this good work of grace in my life. For so great a salvation, I worship you. For so great a Savior, I adore you. Just just sit in that for a few minutes. Just thank the Father that he is at work. Maybe some of you this weekend feel such a contradiction between your life and your gospel. Uh, Just acknowledge what the Lord says to be true. He is at work. Just, Just lay hold of that as you would offer your words of struggle and honesty and thanksgiving to the Father. One last scripture. Lord, thank you that you've used this scripture and you continue to use this scripture in my life. Lord, it just has, it has expanded my understanding of the gospel, the rich theology. It has beckoned my heart to hear the music of heaven. It has been used profoundly, Lord, by your spirit as it continues to be to bring quietness into the core of my being. Brothers and sisters, let me read Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Magnificent and merciful Lord, This portion of your word contradicts so many wrong notions I've had about you, and it invites my heart to go to places your spirit alone can take me. Oh, my goodness. Such doxological wonder and heart overload because the gospel is true right now in this very moment. You greatly delight in me. You're not irritated or disappointed with me, You are committed to quiet me with your love, not shame me with rebukes. You exalt, what a powerful word, you exalt over me, not just with singing, but with loud singing. Father, enable me to hear you serenading me in the gospel in this very moment and forever. I praise, bless, and worship you for so great a salvation and so great a Savior as Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord. Thank you for just a beginning of maybe seeing a new year as an opportunity to groan and grow in grace together, to, to experience more sanctuary and, 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 and less other stuff. Lord, help us even now, Lord, in the remaining few moments just to perhaps enjoy a, a little bit of questions and answers. And Lord... It's not the answers I give, it's the gospel that you bring, Lord, that we need. So we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, we bless you, in Jesus' name. Amen. As Keith comes now, hopefully what you got a little taste there of was, well, that's not really scary, right? Can you imagine just beginning your day just, just reading Scripture and just pausing to pray back to the Lord? Now, and now where some words I have written can, can help you begin to think about that, just just move into that maybe small groups in the church individually in your heart and uh... you know you don't have to buy any of my books if if you simply wanted to see on a daily basis what this looks like just go to the gospel coalition website and you can just freely access that but but not just my words at all develop your own heart of the gospel praising our god even as we enjoy legally fifteen minutes Okay, questions for Scotty? Um, if you have one, just if you would stand up and speak loudly so we can all hear it. It could be a part of my story, you know. What was your wife doing during all of this? Or it could be some aspect of the gospel that I talked about the gift of Christ's righteousness or anything, anything that you might want to ask me. Okay. Let's, let's pass this around just so everybody can hear it. We don't have to okay. summarize what's asked. Um, yeah, so you, you described your experience with your friends and yes. how uh, you broke down, and they wept with you and I just wondered what elements were necessary and that we might think about when we're when we're trying to develop relationships such that that kind of experience Good. can happen thank you um, how How would you encourage us to think about our friendships, our relationships such that we have more of a chance of Experiencing that with each other. Thank you. Good question, and and um, I would say moving forward for all of us to think about And all of your acquaintances and all of your friendships uh, Think about not legally or technically, but think about walking in a little gospel posse Now like the word posse just because it it means you got a group of uh, cowboys or carer girls under the same sheriff on mission together and you duck arrows together, and you pull arrows out of each other together, or bullets, or whatever the case may be, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect about anything in that image, okay? And, uh, and, and you walk together, and, and chances are right now, all of us have some friendships that just a little more risk, a little, if we would lead in our friendships with, hey, can, 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 can we talk about something? There's just something I'm struggling with. It's amazing, you know, we don't, we don't get a manual on heart-to-heart friendship, Basically, one of us begins to say, life's hard. Can, can you guys listen to my heart? Uh, I think for Scott Rowley and Mike Carter and I, it, you know, that relationship went deeper after I finally broke. And so it's a matter of, uh, think about it this way. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were made for two directions of relationship, face to face and side by side. Typically, we men do side-by-side relationships a lot better than face-to-face. And the first thing that goes in a marriage is face-to-face. We get very busy in life, raising kids, paying for life, etc. But side-by-side becomes like this if we're not careful further apart. In our marriages, in our friendships. Um, I would simply say to all of us, start where you are. Uh, You know, maybe some of you that were here this weekend, you know, are in small groups together or or do life together. And and maybe part of the takeaway would be, hey, let's, let's have supper one night. Let's just, while it's fresh, let's talk about some of the things Scotty talked about. And how maybe can our small group be less about filling the lesson and spending more time sharing hearts and praying for each other? Just start where we are. There are too many people that live life even more alone than they started life. And so just start where we are. And I think that's maybe some of you this weekend just got a little courage to say, and a lot of times we in vocational ministry, we're the worst because we, we just think, you know, that I'm, I'm telling you all these things, but if you really knew what a mess I was, you know. So pursue your pastors, love them, be vulnerable with them. So that's, that's my first quick thought. Anyone else? Just, just any direction here. Scotty, would you elaborate a little bit? You were talking about the dance of the gospel and yes. kind of frame that in Luke 15. Would you elaborate you. on that a yeah, little bit, please? Thank you. And sometimes I can be too abstract. So uh, lyric and music of the dance are the easiest to understand. Lyric of the gospel, what does the Bible teach about God's grace? We, we need a better theology. We, we want to do good work in the gospel, right? Music, that's pretty easy to understand. Ah, oh, this is good news to me. It's settling into my heart. I'm really sitting in it. Dance would be two things, and let me give you, uh, let me refer to one scripture I've already referred to and then refer to a second one. In Luke chapter 15, you've got this image of of the father inviting his, uh, his two sons into this arena of what I would simply say, life is now being shaped by the good news, the welcoming heart of God. So in one sense... Uh, dance is just the natural outcome of music, where, where you're not just saying, "Lord, thank you, the gospel's true," but it begins to move you in ways towards one another. I would say this: that uh, I heard some singing this weekend that sounded like the dance of the gospel to me. When we were, when we are in corporate worship, really beginning to move in a fashion where our hearts are being lifted, that would be a little bit of what it really means to to rejoice in the Lord together. So. You know, in terms of our corporate worship and all, dance would be that sense of really uh, coming alive. And uh, I'm, I'm not just on the premises, I'm in the promises. But this one dimension I mentioned that I cannot overemphasize is dance of the gospel also in terms of Romans sixteen twenty, I think that's the passage. Paul finishes the book of Romans with this incredible benediction. And the God of all peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. In that sense, my feet are moving. And, uh, you know, uh, the gospel says that Jesus crushed Satan under his feet. So when Paul says the God of all peace will crush Satan under our feet, he's saying as we come alive to grace, we're going to be better neighbors. As we come alive with grace, our churches are going to care about the city we live in, and we're going to be knowing that our labors in the Lord are not in vain. That uh, See, grace frees us to live for other people. The more alive we are to the love of God, the more we say, as a church, what, what are, what's the systemic brokenness in Jacksonville? And see, the God of all, Shalom, will crush Satan under our feet. One day, Jesus will finish making all things new. So it's why Jack Miller, who taught me pretty much everything I know about the gospel, was a missionary. Uh, a World Harvest Mission surge uh, lives out this paradigm so well that the more alive we are to the love of the Father, of course... We want to live uh, in the story of God. We are characters in the gospel that comes to us. We are carriers of the gospel. We want to not simply see life as just this ingrown story of getting more and finishing more comfortably, but we live more missionally. So I think a part of the dance is missional living and loving. You know. And, and we need to say that because sometimes people think of grace in this fashion. I'm so glad not to be a legalist anymore. Now I can sit in my chair and just take life easy. There is no more transforming power on the face of the earth than the grace of God. It frees us to go to places in life we would never risk going. And part of that for me was moving into my wife's heart and story, which in some ways it was easier for me to get on a plane and go to Africa than to be present and my wife's heart and story. So the dance is radical loving, radical mission. How did you healthfully grieve the death of your um, mother? And did you have the opportunity to walk through that with your dad or any of your siblings? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yes. And and again, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a publisher's worst nightmare. I don't talk about my books much, but I wrote my book, Objects of His Affection, talks about finally making it to my mom's grave and then connecting with my dad. But let me tell you a little bit what that looked like. I mentioned that from the day my mom died until my first trip back to her grave was 39 years. And that happened out of meeting with Scott and Mike, calling my wife, Darlene, on the way home, honey, you're not going to believe what just happened. I was with Scott and Mike and, and I told them I hadn't been to mom's grave in 39 years and we hugged and I'm covered with tears and snot and honey, I'm a mess. And her first words to me were, I'm proud of you, honey. Let's go there next week, meaning let's go to your mom's grave. My first instinct was, heck no. (laughs) This was promise keeper's moment. This was men hugging and weeping. This isn't about follow through. Well, thank God I did go to my mom's grave within seven days because we planned to go back to North Carolina to her mom's grave. And that began the process of grief. There was a backlog of sadness and grief. And within... 10 days, my father, by God's providence, called me out of the blue, announced he was coming to Tennessee to see us. And, and by God's grace, I was able to risk to tell him what had just happened to me. And we, for the first time in 39 years, I heard the name Martha from my dad's mouth. And we wept. And it began for the next five years of a father and son. He was 81 and I was 50 when we connected. We went back in my mom's grave together. Then he began to disappear into Alzheimer's. And I lived through that season of when my dad no longer knew my face or my name, but we had that reconciliation. 8150, hear the the math there. Never, never, never presume upon God's sense of timing. Don't you ever say what God cannot do. I, I, I would have really expected the entire city of Nashville, Tennessee to have fallen down and converted to Jesus before my father and I would have ever physically embraced and healed but we did. So grief is a journey. Grief is a journey, yes. It sounds like the symptoms that you were exhibiting prior to your um, breakdown with your friends, your wife and your friends knew that something was going on before you did. What were the symptoms that were displayed that would clue them in that You are emotionally yeah broken. Thank thank you. Uh, Summarize a little bit of this. So, so it's obviously that people in my world were aware of of what I call a disconnected heart. Um, You know, I'm being helpful to a lot of people uh, about God's grace and the gospel, and yet, um, you know, this this come close, stay away theme. So I think I think a part of what people in my world realized was, uh, Scotty, you you are. You're verbal, we would assume you're an extrovert just because of how comfortable you are talking, but we realize we can't penetrate your heart. So Darlene sensed that in one way. Uh, my kids, let me tell you um, uh, on this side of it. So after Darlene and I really begin to connect, start to get good counseling and healing for our relationship, and I cannot overemphasize the place of good, solid counseling in our healing journey, okay? Um, I moved towards my adult kids. And I you know, basically started with my daughter. I've got a 40-year-old daughter, Kristen, and a 37-year-old son, Scott. And as the Lord's beginning to melt my heart, I, I went to Kristen and just started with her. And I said, honey, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, mom and I are really doing some important stuff right now. Yeah, dad, I see it. Uh, well, Kristen, I want you to, can you begin to tell me what your experience of me as your dad has been from your earliest remembrance? Now, only grace can free you to say that kind of stuff, gang. Let me tell you, grace will empower you to ask questions you avoid at all costs. But when I asked my daughter what are her earliest memories about me as her dad, here's what she said, and we've been building on this now for years. She said, Dad, thank you so much for asking. She said, one of the first things that comes to mind is this. When I was about 11 or 12, I could tell I was becoming too much for you. And here's what she said. I watched you disappear into more ministry. Well, what do you say at that point? Well, young woman, who sent you to college? Who bought that car? In in other words, you can get defensive or you can say, honey, tell me more. And by God's grace, the Lord has healed that relationship. I've never, you know, had a more honest, real relationship. And the Lord does restore years eaten away by the locust. And so I would simply say, um, my staff, you know, part of... Part of my calling being a church planter was our church grew. had a big staff. And, you know, uh, and part of my journey was to realize that when staff would tell me they were intimidated by me and I, I was completely incredulous, it just really showed how much emotional intelligence I was lacking. And a part of the journey has been to say, um, thank you for those of you that risked moving towards me. I'm sorry when I just gave you scripture and spiritualized stuff and did not go to the place where the Lord eventually took me to see the Lord, and it's why now, see, part of my calling now is, four years out of being a senior pastor, is to teach in four different seminaries and to coach young pastors to say, don't wait till you're 50. And and I think it's a part of the way the Lord redeems our stories. A part of what I said was, you know, uh, it's not getting over stuff, it's growing through it. But um, Darlene saw stuff, obviously. My kids saw stuff. But uh, I was so full of spiritual spiritual ease. I spiritualized everything. I mean, I remember as a husband when my wife would be very angry or disconnected or disappointment, saying to myself, Oh, Lord, just, just just, free her from those demons of depression. Just, uh, you know, Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm so glad that I know you and rescue Darlene from her sadness. And it's like, no, Scotty, move into that sadness. You're a part of the sadness. And, you know, what but God's grace can free us like that? And that may be a good place to finish up unless there's one Let's more. Take, is there so, one more? One more question? We know how important parents are to us have you ever experienced a person whose parent mother has been very cruel to them and abusive to them in their life who's still alive to this day but is torturing her daughter in that fashion how does that daughter heal from a cruel, mean, unloving mother. Thank you, and we'll finish with this one. So, if you didn't hear our brother, here's a story. So, uh, not just in the past, but in the present, as we ourselves, in our own experience, or as those that we love very deeply, who may be living in abusive situations right now, uh, parents that are only the voice of harm and pain and shame, uh, how do we steward that? How do we do that together? I would suggest, You know, First of all, in my journey, I finally had the courage by God's grace to be able to show up in those stories and weep with those who weep and to be present, but also to begin to say, uh, we've got to learn skills to know what healthy boundaries look like. Um, Sometimes, you know, when when either in the home or out of the home, there are cruel relationships like that, uh, we have all these mixed messages. To honor the Lord means I continue to show up and take the abuse. No, it does not. And we need to learn how to help individuals that are in very toxic relationships to know that in the body of Christ there are those that will walk and pray. And, uh, and uh, you know, so, so I have lived to have seen abusive parents come to repentance. I've also seen children bury parents who, who never were able to own the damage they did to their children. And there is gospel beauty for all of those stories, but we can't do it by ourselves. You see, I think when a church is—and this is why, where I'll go tomorrow morning—when we can see the DNA of the gospel go more into our churches, we're able to be brothers and sisters in ways in those struggles and those alone places. Uh, I did see the Lord begin when my father completely disappeared from my life after my mom's death. I saw the Lord begin to raise up for me. You know, here's a neighbor that would say, "Scotty, there'll always be a chair at our table for you. There's always, there's always a little more soup in the kettle." another family uh... we've got a single bed in our home Scotty, please know that we love you so how can we be as jesus said who is my mother my father my brothers are not these that do the kingdom the will of god we we parent each other we love each other we heal, we help each other walk in wisdom and you know in our story and i'll finish with this for darlene and i and this is no reflection on a parent at all we we had a season in our own family system where we needed to withdraw from one of our parents for three years because this parent would not honor our boundaries and this parent continued to harm our children. And after those three years of being apart, the Lord worked powerfully and that story finished up far more redemptively. But typically, we can't figure that out all by ourselves, right? We just have all these mixed messages. But I've seen the Lord do remarkable things to, uh, to rescue, to redeem, and all kinds of those stories. So, that's a difficult story, but it's why we need each other. As we conclude, and I'll conclude with a prayer, is that good? As we conclude, I want you to know there are no ordinary people in this room. There's some of us that this week kind of felt that stirring of, you know, i got that chapter, I kind of put a Romans 8, 28 band-aid on, but I really need more heart surgery. Let's just be sensitive to each other. And let's lead in our relationships not to heal each other, but to seek more grace in our own stories. And that's the way the gospel runs from week to week, beauty to beauty, grace upon grace. So it's been an honor to be with you. Let me pray now and uh, pray for tomorrow morning. Let's just pray the Lord really meets us as three congregations gather to worship Christ. And uh, pray that we will know where to move forward together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glorious Trinity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Last night and this morning seemed like 15 minutes. It just went too fast. But thank you Lord there was enough time for your purposes for our 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 conference. And Lord now those who have been invited to see dimensions of the gospel that have never been seen or to rehear the music of the gospel that got drowned out by the cacophony of evil and hard story and abuse Lord Father draw us in. Lord for those of us that feel most vulnerable right now and alone, Lord let us care for each other. Let us be aware. Let Let all of us know, Lord, that none of us is the fourth member of the Trinity. We can't fix each other. We're not called to fix each other. We're called to love, to bear each other's burdens, to trust in the God who raises the dead. So, Lord, we go forth now thanking you for a season to further connect with the sanctuary that is the gospel. Jesus, thank you that you are the prophet, priest, and king you claim to be, that we have been grasped, we are guided, and we will be taken to glory. And together we cry out, hallelujah with a Savior. Hallelujah with a salvation in Jesus' name. Amen.